Hey, this is Andrew DiMazio, lead pastor of Rose Church here in Portland, Oregon. Welcome to our podcast. Our mission here at Rose is building big people, becoming like Jesus in community while growing in our faith. Whoever you are, wherever you are, I pray today's message challenges you and encourages you on your walk with Jesus. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy today's podcast. But I want to jump into the word this morning, just share for a few minutes, a few moments this morning, and then we'll get back into some, some carols. I'm going to go back into Matthew chapter 2 this morning. We uh, read Matthew chapter 2 last week together, talking about the Magi or the wise men. I want to jump back into that story this morning and bring out a few different things uh, for your consideration this morning when it comes to Christmas and this amazing story. So let's read this morning from Matthew chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, no worries, it'll be on the screen for you. Bring out a few, a few observations this morning. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men or magi from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star uh, as it rose and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this and as was everyone in Jerusalem, he called the meeting of all the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked them, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea. They said, for this is what the prophet wrote, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men or the magi, and he Learn from them the time when the star first appeared. Super interesting. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Come back and tell me so I can worship him too. I want to bring out three observations from this story about the Magi this morning. You know, I think for many of us in the room, if you are a follower of Jesus, and I know many of you might not be today, just part of the, the service this morning with your family and friends, and maybe here to watch your niece or nephew sing here in a few moments. I know for many of us might be believers in the room, but some of us might not be. And you know, I think for many of us that are believers, we, we don't have really a God issue. Many times we have memory issues. I have a horrible memory. Um, I forget a lot of people's names. I can memorize scriptures in Greek and Hebrew, but I forget names all the time. I have bad memory. Like yesterday, I was trying to look for the keys uh, to go to the store, couldn't find them. I left the car on in our driveway for a good three or four hours. Um, that's where my memory's at these days. I lose my phone, I lose my wallet, I lose my keys. I don't have the best memory. Um, I have three kids now. I, I at least lose one of them per day. Um, I'm not the best with memory. And I think for many of us, a lot of our issues in life aren't necessarily God issues, they're memory issues. We're going through a situation, we're going through a hardship and we bring up like, man, where's God? As if he wasn't there last time. As if he wasn't there a year ago. As if he didn't do it last time. I think sometimes we just have these, these memory issues. We forget what God has done. We forget what he's done in our life. And for me, I love Christmas and I love Easter and these holidays that we have because they're yearly reminders what God has done. They're yearly dates, December 25th and you know, every year in April and these moments that we have to remind us what God has done. This morning, I'm gonna lay three ideas at your lap that Christmas reminds us of every single year from Matthew chapter two about the story of the Magi. Number one, the Bible says that Jesus 
was obviously eternal. He was existing before that. Jesus was not made, he was born. Jesus did not become something. He was already something that came to us. And first thing I want you, this is good news, friends. The first thing I want you to be reminded when it comes to Christmas is we could not get to God, so he came to us. Oh, I know that's super simple. I know that's elementary. But oh, I think often we need reminding. Man, I could not get to God. No matter how good I tried to be, no matter how righteous I try to be, no matter how holy I try to be, no matter how much money I try to give, how much I try to serve, how many good deeds I try to do, I cannot be good enough to get to God. So God in his graciousness and God in his goodness came to us. But how many of us resort back into trying to do things every day, acting like we're trying to get to him? Well, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna give this, I'm gonna say this, I'm gonna be at church. And I'm glad that you're here and this is very important. But if you're here trying to get on God's good side, I wanna remind you, you're already on his good side. If you're here trying to like, well, God, did you, did you see I went to church on Christmas? Can I get a bonus? You know, you know, the Lord, I, I went to the carols. I sang the whole thing. Can our marriage get a little bump, right? Like we, we don't say these things out loud, but we do them. We try to remind God, did, did you see? Lord, I, I gave 12% this month, Lord. I gave for the first time. I invited a friend. I tricked my neighbor into coming to a Christmas service. I... Why? Because we, we often still feel like I'm trying to get to him. You see, all these other religions is us trying to get to the higher power. This religion is the higher power coming to us. It's the complete reversal. We're not down here singing carols and, 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 and eggnog and having fun during this Christmas season to try to get somewhere. Oh no, we're here to celebrate. We're not here to work. Christmas is not the reminder you should work harder. Christmas is the reminder that God has come down. God has come in. That's why his name in Luke 1 was Emmanuel. God with us. Oh, this is good news. This should change your week. This should change your day. This should change your attitude because God has come to us. And now I don't have to strive anymore. I don't have to work anymore. Why? Because God has come down. One, one uh, theologian, one writer says that the son of God became the son of man, that the sons of man might become the sons of God. Christmas is this divine reminder that he became us so that we might become like him. The second thing, which is so fascinating in Matthew chapter two is the Bible says multiple times in Matthew two that the Magi are from Eastern lands. Did you pick that up? ESV says it multiple times. The wise men from the East. One of the carols, one of the hymns we'll sing this morning talks about coming from the east. It's super interesting, if you were new to the Bible or new to faith, um, the Bible's a bit of a weird book, especially if like you start in the book of Leviticus, you'll probably stop reading your Bible real quick. There's, the, the Bible's a bit complicated, there's a lot of weird stuff in there, but one thing you must know about the Bible is no details random. The reason why it says there's six watering jars is because it wants you to know that. <clears throat> that there were seven people there, wants you to know that. It was this city, wants you to know that. Every single detail in the Bible is not there for random's sake, it's there for uh, revelation's sake. Why in the world does Matthew chapter two have to remind us multiple times that the wise men are coming from the east? Location matters in the Bible, not just weight in cities and details, but location. We have to know they're coming from the east. Yes, we have to know they're coming from the east. Why, you might ask. 
Well, if you rewind a few thousand years back to Genesis chapter three, if you know your Bible or you know kind of, you know, the Genesis account, Adam and Eve, they make a decision. They eat the fruit. It was on an apple. We didn't know what it was. Apple always gets the bad rap, okay? We didn't know if it was an apple. It was a piece of fruit. They eat the piece of fruit. They're not supposed to. They sin, they fall. And the Bible says they get kicked out of the garden. But if you read really, really carefully, you can go read it later today, back in Genesis 3, the Bible says that God takes them and he removes them from the garden and leads them out to the east. They get kicked out of the garden to the east. If you go to the next story in Genesis chapter 3, What's that? It's the story of Cain and Abel. When Cain kills his brother Abel, and then the Bible says when Cain kills Abel, he flees to the east. Every single story from Genesis 3 to Genesis 11, every man and every decision, the Bible says, go read it. It says we went to the east. Genesis 3, left the garden from the east. Cain ran to the east. Uh, Noah went to the east. Tower of Babel, positioned in the east. Over and over and over again, from Genesis 3 to Genesis 11, we are told that human or mankind kept going to the east. Why does that matter? Because when you look in the historical Judaism and the Jewish and Hebrew mindset, they believe that anything and anyone that wanted to leave God would go to the east. And the east represented the farthest way from God. Genesis 3 to Genesis 11, east, 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 east. Genesis 12, God goes to a man named Abram. He says, Abram, I'm calling you. I want to start a nation through you. And Abram's like, cool, I'm like 80. We have no kids. And God's like, you'll have one, which is gross. But... Think about this Christmas, your grandparents come to Christmas. <laughs> hey, we have, we have an announcement to make. <laughs> We're pregnant. Nana, you're 87. Oh, I know, but we're having our first kid. Does it make sense? They, they, they had Isaac when he was almost 100 years old. <clears throat> you know what the Bible says in Genesis 12? When God says, I'll, I'll show you where to go. He goes, I'll show you a land. And the Bible says he starts walking toward Ur. Do you know where Ur is? Toward the west. So from Genesis 3 to Genesis 11, we kept making decisions that made us go east. And God said, I want my children, I want my family to come back home. So I want to find a man who is righteous. I'm going to start a whole new nation through him. And I'm going to spend the next couple thousand years bringing my people west. So, so what is the story of Matthew all about? Why do we keep being told the Magi from the East? It's Christmas as a reminder. I don't care how far East you've gone, come home. I don't care how many decisions you've made during college that made you go East, come on home. I don't care if you feel so far from God and you're making decisions that separate you from God and you feel like there's a chasm between you and this thing called God. Good news. Matthew 2 and Christmas is the reminder the Magi from the East can come on home. So if you feel far from God today and you're just here making your sister happy or you're just here watching your niece and nephew sing, I got news for you today. You can come on home. Well, you don't know what I've done. I don't care how far East you feel. You can start making steps today that bring you home. Last, this is so interesting. And this isn't usually the positive Christmas message, but you need to hear it. And it might be a healthy gut punch. 
the Bible says the Magi enter into the room and they're all in a circle, right? The American nativity scene. The cows have come and laid down next to Jesus. The sheep have come laying down next to Jesus. Mary and Joseph are there and the Magi are there and the shepherds are there and right, the nativity scene, that's 100% accurate. But if you notice, what is one thing the nativity scene does have correct? It's Jesus in the middle. And everyone is surrounding him with their eyes fixed on Jesus. Do you know what Christmas is a healthy reminder of? You should not be the center of the room. But for many of us all year long, we make decisions, what? To put us in the center. Have you noticed that we're the main character in our own play? Most of the time. But no, Christmas is the reminder. He's at the center. And we have come together in a circle to fix our gaze, to fix our attention, not on how great I am and look at what I've done and look at our marriage and kids and money and businesses and cars and homes and my degree and my pet, my, my, my corner suite and my office, my name. My, no, 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 wait. We are Christians. We are not the center of our story. Christmas is this holy divine reminder. We need to take a step back. Put Jesus back in the center. Why are we all here? To fix our gaze on the center. What are we singing about today? Fix our gaze on the center. Why do we have hope in turmoil? Because we fix our gaze on the center. Why do we have hope while we're going through a fearful scenario? Because we fix our gaze on the center. Oh, Christmas is a holy reminder that we need to put Jesus back in the middle and that we all need to gather around and fix our gaze, fix our attention on Jesus. Because he's the only one that you can put in the center of your life and it won't destroy your life. Listen to me. If you put your business at the center of your life, it will destroy you. If you put your kids in the center of your life, it will destroy you. If you put money, if you put, if you put good things at the center of your life, your life will crumble. But it's, Christmas is this holy reminder. Oh yeah. Why do we all gather in the home? to circle around Jesus and fix our eyes and attention and focus on the one who could fully own us without destroying us. He could fully be the center of our life. And I end with this thought. I think it's so challenging. The Bible says Herod, King Herod, who's not a, a holy man, he's not a moral man, he's a very evil man. He says he hears about the king being here which as I said last week, Jesus did not become a king. He was born a king. From his first breath on this earth, he was a king. Well, if you know anything about ancient historical kingdoms, a king would be incredibly threatened by a new king because they would try to take their power. So King Herod, hearing about a new king, is threatened. What does he say? Hey, will you go find this kid? If you find him, come back and tell me where he is because I want to worship him too. Last thing I'll leave with you about Christmas. Christmas is the reminder that you get to choose. Either Jesus is a threat to your life or a gift to your life. I think many of us were a bit scared to maybe follow Jesus because he's a threat to my five-year plan. He's a threat to what I, who I, what I, whoa, whoa, no, Jesus isn't a threat, he's a gift. 
Oh, no, he, he's the best gift you could ever want. He's the gift that you've been searching for. He's the gift you've been groping in the darkness for. He's the, he's the gift that you're trying to pay for. He's not a threat to our lives. He's a gift to our lives. But we can oftentimes think he's a threat to what we want and our power and our empire and our kingdom. And our, no, he's not a threat. He's why we've, why we've come to worship. This morning, as we get ready to sing these songs and light our candles and have a very holy moment, what's it all about? What are these songs and hymns and carols? And I love Christmas songs because we're singing theology. We're singing doctrine. That's why they're so wordy. That's why they're so dense. That's why they're so amazing because we're just singing what we believe. And what are we doing? Stepping back, putting him where he belongs. And maybe truly in your heart this morning, you need to take yourself out of the center. You need to take your money out of the center. You need to take your five-year plan out of the center and say, I need to put who belongs back in the center of my life. And while we've come to gather, all eyes are on him. You know, like we do a bridal shower, all eyes are on her. You do these parties, everyone's staring awkwardly. Is that my gift? There's these rooms we all go in where eyes are fixated on someone. Oh, this afternoon, this morning, let us be reminded where our eyes should be fixated, where our focus, our gaze should be. And maybe holy unearthing needs to happen today. You need to remove yourself, remove your money and put Jesus back in the middle where he truly belongs. If our ministry has been a blessing to you at all, whether through the podcast, online, or through socials, would you consider partnering with us financially to help us continue blessing people and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus? If you'd like to do so, you can go online to rosechurch.org give. Thank you so much for partnering with us and helping us continue to do what God has put in our hearts here for you.